You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Shot on location in Cambodia, including many scenes in actual brothels in the notorious red-light district of Phnom Penh, Holly follows a 12-year-old Vietnamese girl who has been sold by her impoverished family and smuggled across the border to work as a prostitute. Band of Brothers star Ron Livingston plays an American card shark and dealer of stolen artifacts who has been comfortably numb in Cambodia for years when he encounters Holly in the K-11 village quite by accident. When she is sold to a child trafficker, Patrick embarks on a frantic search through the country in an attempt to bring her to safety. With us today is Guy Moshe, the director of Holly, a feature film that forms part of the K-11 project, dedicated to raising awareness of the epidemic of child trafficking and sex slavery trade through several film projects. Guy Moshe, welcome to Film School. Hi. 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 Good. How are you doing today? Great. I hope you can hear me well. I'm sorry I'm on my cell phone, but uh, the best we could do. Well, uh, we're hearing you fine here. Where are you with your cell phone? I'm actually on my way to doing a a rehearsal. I'm working on my next film. What would that be? It's a very different film than Holly. It's it's like an action fantasy musical. Wow. Ah. Epic. (laughs) That is quite a bit different. Let's just put it, that is quite a bit different than Holly. Just for your description, yeah. yeah. Action fantasy musical. (laughs) Well, there you go. Does this have something to do with kung fu? A little bit, but it's, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's part of the the way we want to tell the story, but it, it, it does have a, hopefully, a message and a meaning. I mean, everything I do, I think I'm trying to make sure that I got something to say, and it's not just pure entertainment. None of them denouncing it or anything like that, but it's just not my style. Yeah. How did you uh, get started on this project uh, with Holly? What was the, the impetus behind this? Jacobson is uh, one of the producers content that problem, I think, back in 2002. He started working on an initial script. Somewhere in 2003, we met through a mutual friend to discuss a, a different project that I've written uh, that was uh, back at the time supposed to be my first feature. And uh, he read the script and he really liked it. I was in the process of trying to uh, get this other film financed. And we started uh, keeping in touch, and uh, along the time that he was working on the script, he kind of shared with me the few drafts that he was working on as a friend, and I've given him some notes, you know, just my two cents about what I thought he should do, whatever. I didn't really think I'd be uh, involved in this project in any official capacity. And we kept in touch like this uh, all the way through 2004, where the script, stayed, you know, the script started developing, and it became more and more uh, interesting to me as I saw I saw it kind of wearing shape into something that I thought I could probably do a good job at. But we never discussed this, you know, we never talked about it. In 2004, I happened to be in New York again, working on a different project. When Guy Jacobson sort of called me and said, "Listen, I've secured financing for this project, and I want you to meet the investors," and I was like, "Meet them as what?" Yeah. We, we never talked about me even directing it or not. So it was one of these things that happened where we both felt that I was drawn to the project of for uh, a lot of different reasons, but I wasn't necessarily completely immersed in it until I went to Cambodia myself as part of the initial scout. I told Guy right away that I felt that the script needs some more work and that uh, I think we should work on it together and try to get it into a better shape. And for that, I wanted to go and doing, to do an initial scout uh, together with um, 
One of the producers, Nava Levine, is my producer partner. And uh, when we came back from Cambodia, it became very evident to me that there's no way that uh, I'm not being in this film. Yeah. Well, so it was one of, one of these things when you witness them firsthand, it's, uh, it's very hard not to be compelled. Yeah. When you say w- witness what, so our listeners know you're talking about these brothels. Um, yeah, these I went to Cambodia, it, literally uh, tw- about 30 minutes after I've landed, uh, I had an NGO worker coming to uh, pick us up and uh, helping us with you know whatever we needed. And I've asked to go and see Svei Pak firsthand. It was about four months before we shot the film, the place was still fully operational. This 20-year-old Cambodian kid who was an NGO worker, a really great guy, basically took me to this place and we sat there for 10 minutes and after 10 minutes I was approached by uh, a young uh, kid, you know, a pimp, and he basically asked me if I was interested in girls. I said, yes, how young do you have? He said, like, you know, how how young do you want? I was like, I don't know, show me. And he took me and like in literally 30 minutes from the moment I hit the ground, I was offered like four girls from nine years old to 11. Oh my God. In a brothel. It was a pretty shocking experience, but yeah. uh, but more than anything is the, the, the quickness and the, the easy easiness in which you can get that in Cambodia. It's just, it was pretty horrifying. Are there any laws in Cambodia that that you could be prosecuted for? Or there are, is this completely sort of non-illegal, if you will, if that's the right way to put it. Um, again, it's a very, it's sort of like a trick question. You're talking about a place where the judicial system doesn't work. It yeah. just doesn't have any, it's all about money. I'm pretty sure you can get away with murder, literally, if you pay enough money to the right people. So it's, it has nothing to do with the laws. I mean, they may or may not be laws, but no one who's going who's gonna to make sure that the laws are being enforced, you know? Police officer in Phnom Penh makes about $30, $30 a month. The average cost of life is about $300. So you do the math, if the guy needs to make 10 times his salary somehow so he can survive and feed his family, it's no wonder he's going to be corrupt, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's a system that it sounds like it's designed to foster a, a corrupt uh, society. Exactly, exactly. The price, too, of people there, I, I, are, were those correct? I mean, you, you buy a person there for about $500. Yeah, that, that is unfortunately correct. I mean, we've even raised the price a little bit to make it sound more... Uh, <laughs> yes. you know, we took a poetic license just because it was so scary, but you can you, you can buy somebody there for $300, $400. Uh, we're speaking with Guy Moshe. The the film is Holly. It op- it's opening in Los Angeles and Orange County this, this Friday. I want to describe kind of the backstory in the sense that I would get a sense from you about the perils of going in and doing... The, this film of getting it actually shot it sounds like you were under quite a bit of duress during the, the filming of this yeah I mean it was a it was quite an interesting experience I mean again you know I, I'm originally from Israel as some of the other people behind the movie yes so in a way I guess coming from uh, uh, you know one uh, one troubled place to another not that I compare between Israel and Cambodia but uh, mm-hmm. still just the idea of you know we, we were quite used to seeing people with guns around us and stuff like that that didn't really pick me in the same way that it did some other people on the set I never felt like we were in danger but I, I was constantly feeling like uh Getting out with a movie would be a you know a miracle, <laughs> which it, which it was, and uh, the the perils were in, you know numerous. I mean, I, I don't even I can tell these stories now for an hour about how yeah. much how many things went wrong. Just so you understand, like um, we were when the first time we went to the initial scout, but it was, was very nice and cheerful and 
uh, welcoming, and we thought, oh, that would be a great experience to come over here. And it turned out to be this sort of like a massive con, because by the time we, we uh, started doing the prep and uh, kind of got knee-high in, into pre-production and, and, and being there, and we had our backs against the wall, all of a sudden all, a lot of these people turned on us and started extorting money from us, and it was a pretty weird situation. You know, they've held my trucks, because Cambodia doesn't have a film industry or a film or any infrastructure. They held my trucks hostage in sort of like the twilight zone in the border between Thailand and Cambodia. My sound equipment that we flew from America was being held for ransom in the, in the airport, and we were basically being extorted and we couldn't start shooting on the, the first day of shoot was supposed to be at a certain date and we had to negotiate with uh, literally what I call mafia delegates because, you know, probably the tr most truthful way to treat these, these guys. And they were just waiting to see how much money they can get out of us. Uh, and this, is, this was a super low-budget film like any independent movie. And you're not really counting on this kind of a problem. This was just day one. We started the shoot after I had to nego I had to personally sit with a bodyguard in the Intercontinental Hotel in front of one of the guys, and he had his own bodyguard, and I was counting $60,000 in cash to get us started. Oh my and, then, and, the, and then took a taxi six hours to another destination where we were supposed to shoot, slept for two hours, and started shooting the next day. And it was a funny experience, but... Well, you know, another one would be uh, going in the Mekong River with with our entire crew, and our boats got stuck in the mud, and you find yourself <laughs> in 2 a.m. in the morning in the middle of nowhere in the Mekong River, having to kind of jump in the water and push your boat out of the water. But I think on the flip side, it had some sort of a binding experience, and it, it got all of us, the, the cast and crew, into a situation where we felt we were together in this, doing something really important. Right. The film stars Ron Livingston. They'll recognize him from a number of Quite. projects, including Office Space and mm -hmm. Sex in the City and uh, Band of Brothers. He's a he's been in a lot of uh, lately. I've seen him in a lot of smaller independent films. So he and he does a terrific job of embodying this sort of uh, world weary man who who's kind of reached the end of his uh, rope here in in Cambodia and also. Uh, what I believe to be the last performance of uh, Chris Penn. Am, am I correct to say that? Yeah, I mean, I, don't like, I think at the time that he was making the film, there was another film he did either before us or after us, but that film was obviously released before Holly. So if it's not the last performance, it's probably the one before the last. Certainly. I mean, one of his I, last performances. I did, do a, I did an ADR session with him, I think, about two weeks before his uh, untimely death. Yeah, that was a... Yeah. A shock, I'm sure. A pretty, pretty shocking. But um, especially you know, after what you went through with him in making this movie, I'm sure. Yeah, it wasn't an easy experience. But again, to be to be quite honest, I mean, he he did care about the movie. He did come in with a lot of good input. For me, he put a real person in this character. And and today, when I look at the film, it's not I can't picture somebody else doing it for what what it's worth. It wasn't easy getting there. And in a way, I feel like his uh, so like his own dem demons uh, contributed something to the character he was yeah. portraying because nobody in that region or in that that part of the world, uh, a Westerner that lives there for so, so long and is kind of like dealing with uh, illegal stuff is probably mm -hmm. going to have some of that in him anyhow. You know, I'm glad that at least uh, the film is out and that uh, I'm sure he would have been proud. I know he was proud of the movie just because of the subject matter and because he cared about what we were doing and... Um, I wish you could have seen it, but, you know. Yeah. We're speaking with Guy Moshe. The movie is Holly. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but the 12-year-old girl, is it Thuy Nguyen? Thuy Nguyen. Thuy Nguyen. Uh, she's, uh, how did you run across her? She goes to high school here in Orange County. How is it that you happened to find her for this role? We basically 
basically, we were looking for a girl. I didn't want to cast uh, an American girl. I wanted to cast somebody from the region. Originally, I thought about trying to cast literally in Vietnam, but I realized that uh, that, that wouldn't be possible. They wouldn't let uh, a Vietnamese actress come out to do an American film, no less. Then we started casting in Thailand. We tried to find a Vietnamese girl in Thailand. It was very important for me that the girl that we, we portray in the film would be a real Vietnamese girl. Um, I, I feel like a lot of times, you know, in, in the West, we, we sort of like put all uh, Asians in one category, and I, I'm, yeah. I'm extremely bothered by it, you know, personally. Yeah. Uh, and I understand sometimes you have to do it for point but since she is the film, I felt that we have to find a real Vietnamese girl. Uh, we started casting in Thailand. I've seen about 200 reels. None of them was Vietnamese, and none of them was even right for the role to be completely honest. I was looking for that kind of a, a, a raw, real quality of a, of a girl that I believed could walk perfect in the streets. So like in, a, in desperation, we decided to put the film on the breakdowns here and see if there is a Vietnamese-American actress. Uh, also, of course, I realized that it would be difficult to communicate with a girl that, that is from the region in terms of how do I direct her. She, can't even, she would probably not be able to speak English. Nonetheless, learn the, the English uh, lines that she had to deliver in the film. So I've seen about 25 girls here in Hollywood. None of them was Vietnamese again. And most of them were, uh, it's a pretty pretty interesting sight to seeing a child actor in Hollywood. I don't know if, if you've had that experience, but uh, uh -huh. it's quite scary. <laughs> and uh, I've had all sorts of girls coming in. Like I had a 10-year-old 10 10 girl from Indonesia singing a Faith Hill country song and hitting every note. And I, I got mm. really scared watching that. I was like, I don't want a girl that is a... Yeah. That is this sort of like um, a mechanical, yeah. you know, robotic child actor. Right. And finally, I heard about the Vietnamese community in Westminster, and I called Nava, my producer, and I told her, "Listen, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go there. I don't know what to do." And she said, "What are you going to do? You're going to stop girls in the street?" I said, "I don't know. Let's go, let's just <laughs> go and see see what's." what's happening and we went to Westminster and we tried to kind of go into a few schools and talk to them about it but again you know you can imagine uh, in, in this day and age two people coming talking about a film you know in school it's, it's also a big deal it took us about two weeks to, to, to get the right authorizations and to try and organize an open call in Westminster and I was hoping for 200 300 girls to show up you know to a Hollywood movie we came in at 10 a.m. One girl showed up. It, it wasn't Twee. It wasn't the right girl for the role. I had them. Uh, I was asking them to read a, a children's book and to sing a song. I just wanted to see if they can express themselves because obviously I was uh, expecting uh, non-actors and I wanted to see if they, they have this in them to sort of like be a storyteller or to express themselves and not be shy in front of a camera. Uh, so one girl showed up at 10 a.m. She was completely not the right girl for the role. And then we sat there for like uh, nine hours and nobody showed up, oh. no one. Oh. And uh, we were about to leave and suddenly Twee walks in the room. One of the girls that worked with us on the film eventually, her name was Jenny Tran, she's, she's, she's of the community. And she remembered seeing an extra in, in a film of the Vietnamese community that was about the right age. And she went, she went out and found her and brought her to us like literally in the last five minutes. And, and the moment she walked in the room, we, could, we all looked at her and it's like, wow, this is the girl we've, we've been waiting for. And, yeah. And Thuy is not has not been born here. She was uh, she grew up in Vietnam until the age of twelve. Mm. Oh. When we made the film, she was uh, fourteen, so uh, she was only two years apart from that real yeah. experience. And she's had quite a life behind her. Her father was in the camps. Uh, she hasn't seen him until she was ten years old. And I think you can see her in, the, in mm. see it in her face. Was there some trepidation on the part of her family to have her go back 
to Cambodia, Vietnam, Cambodia, and and uh, and go through this, or how did how did how did they react? We, uh, I mean, we went over to uh, to her house. Um, I sat with her parents. Her parents are uh, really wonderful people. Mm-hmm. I basically laid out it to them in the, in the most truthful way. I explained to them that uh, that had I be a been a parent, I would be uh, obviously also very worried about a film like this and what it, what it could do to, to my child, you know, psychologically and to portray part like this. And But I promised them that I'll uh, that, it, that it's on my mind and it's one of my first priorities to make sure that, that she's not going to be affected from this. And on the flip side, you know, explain to them how important this film was and how helpful it could be to so many girls in the world, you know, so, so many uh, victims of this problem. Uh, her parents were really noble. You know, they, they they told me that they know about it and they think that we're doing a very important thing and that they feel that they can trust me that I, that I'm not going to exploit her, you know, their daughter in this situation and uh, and they just let me do it. And we of course brought her mother together with her and uh, to the set and she she was there all the time when we were working with her and she knew everything that we were doing. Well, guy, the the the, the trust was was well placed. Uh, the, she is Holly. She does a terrific job. Uh, I think it's it's a film that it that people should see for its value as as a as a film, and also really to highlight and just how pervasive and how sickening this uh, sex sex slave trade yeah, I mean, is. Yeah, it's one of the things that we never get to. Uh, it's funny because of the subject matter; it almost kind of pushes aside the pure uh, filmmaking discussion. Yeah. You know, usually when you make a film. You know, you talk about acting and plot points and characters and all the usual stuff and cinematography, or whatever. Right. With this movie, it's all kind of being pushed aside sometimes, and and you get drawn into these huge discussions about you know the the politics of it and right. the social cause. And and of course, this was one of the intentions right. that we had in making this movie, and we wanted to create that uh, discussion. I would say that you know, at least as a filmmaker, as a director, I did put as much time, resource, and efforts in 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 trying to translate that into a cinematic experience yeah. and, and dealing with the same kind of problems that any filmmaker does with working with the actors and uh, figuring out you know the narrative in a certain way that will help both educate but also uh, stand on its own as a story uh, of two lost people and I even think of it as a certain impossible tragic love story to yeah. be honest. You did and once again the film is Holly uh, the film director we've been speaking with is Guy Moshe. Thank you so much for, for spending some time here on Film School with us, Guy Moshe. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the film. Oh, we, did. we did. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash film school.